going to start, I'm going to start a new series of messages this week uh, called Elisha the Prophet. And often when we think about what it means to be a prophet in biblical prophecy, uh, we, we have lots of different opinions and ideas and thoughts about what it might be to be a prophet a prophet and what prophecy has. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like today to start what I feel is a biblical foundation on what we're what we mean and what we talk about when we talk about a prophet. Um I like to when talking to children say there's two words that a lot of people might even use uh together and they might have no idea the difference between those two words. And that's a priest and a prophet. And I think it's all about how, how the message is conveyed uh, to God and to the people. And so I tell, tell kids, I say, a priest is somebody who gets the message from the people and directs it towards God. Whereas a prophet, a biblical prophet, is somebody who gets the message vertically from God and passes it out horizontally towards the people. So that, that that's kind of the big difference that we can look at between a prophet and a priest. And we understand that as we look at Jesus Christ, He is the prophet, the priest, and the king. And He fulfills all those roles perfectly. And in the Old Testament, we get to like the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. They, Saul, King Saul, got himself into trouble because what he was doing is, as the king, he was trying to fulfill the role of the priest. And it was a big deal that in the nation of Israel that someone not have the role of the king, the priest, and the prophet. Because that, that was... Uh, something that was to be saved for Jesus Christ. And there's one person in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, Melchizedek, who was, who was an example of what that would look like. But that's Jesus' responsibility, to be our prophet, priest, and king. So we get to the book of 2 Kings, and we see, and we're actually not going to, we're going to step away from 2 Kings, and we're going to establish a foundation of what it means to be a prophet. It's kind of interesting. I, I really like looking at and thinking about uh, statistics as I teach calculus class. Um, one of my favorite weeks in class is, is to teach statistics, research and statistics. I like to talk about dominion modeling and uh, Chebyshev's rule, the empirical rule, and, and correlation of data and stuff. That's, that's fun to me. I know everybody just went... But that's, I enjoy that. I actually make the kids uh, do a paper in calculus class where they have to go out and they have to find correlation between data and they have to take 100 statistics and, and do the work. They always find that there's not, if you take 100 people, it's hard to find a correlation between two things and their error is way off the scales because you need data to be in the millions before it really becomes relevant. But it's still, it's an interesting project and they see all the work that goes into it. And as I think about statistics, we talk about and about statistics and things that go on. We live in a country in which the amount of people that don't believe 
in God is increasing. The number of atheists in our nation, in our country, is increasing. That's a sad statistic, isn't it? But at the same time, there's something else that's increasing that doesn't make a lot of sense. And you might not think that they correlate to each other, but, but I think that there's a reason for them. At the same time that people's disbelief in God, that there is a God, and, and the amount of people who claim to be an atheist is on the in increase, there's something else that's on the increase too. And that's people believing in the supernatural. And so you can turn on a, a daytime talk show or something and, and you'll see these people that they get in front of in front of something and they'll hear somebody that, that's going to reach out and they're going to talk to dead ancestor. And all these people go, ooh, ah. And they're just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe what's going on. And I think we have a, we have a world. I'm not even going to say nation. I'm going to say a world that is in dire danger of being deceived by the devil. Does that make sense? And so because people are not taking, they're looking at, they're not looking at the Bible and seeing that we have a God who's the creator of the universe and keeps things in order, and that there are principalities and powers, and they don't have that as their foundation. Their hearts and souls get open to, to deception and to hearing what is evil. And that's a problem. So as we look at um, Elisha, the prophet, we're going to hear him where he would, I've got three stories the next three weeks. We're going to tackle one, two, three at a time. Where Elisha, somebody comes in and Elisha says, here's what's going to happen in your future. Here's what you need to do about it. And sometimes the people listen, but in the end, God's word and what the prophet says comes to pass. And if the people acted on it, it was good. If they didn't, it was a problem. But in the end, the word of God was firm and it didn't waver. And we read prophecies all through the Bible and they don't waver. If God says it, it's going to happen. And the ultimate source of the truth of what's going to happen in the future, right here. Somebody goes, and we're going to talk about that today. Somebody goes against that book, this book, and that's a problem. So the first thing um, that I'd like to talk about is we talk about this idea of like the biblical prophet. Because I'd like to set a stage, and I'd like to say that the first place that we ought to go with is to kind of look at our church's beliefs and teachings. I'd like us to open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians. And the first thing I'm going to give you today is as you open to the book of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to give you some homework. And your homework is to read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. I don't feel that we have the time in the next half hour this morning to break down and to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But I'd like you to read those, those passages of Scripture carefully. I wrote it right, put it right up there on the screen for you. Read them carefully. But I would like us to focus, and I'd like us to look at verse 10. Verse 10, it says, 
to another of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, says to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And in this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to 14, we hear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes uh, these gifts of the Holy Spirit have been used by God in a great and mighty way, especially as the church was being formed. We get to, like for instance, we get to the beginning of the book of Acts, and we see Peter on the day of Pentecost. Today's, today's Pentecost Sunday, so I guess that, that kind of fits. And he gets up and he begins preaching in the name, the name of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. And a crowd gathers in the thousands. And he speaks in tongues. And everyone hears in their own language. And people have taken taken what the Bible says about speaking in tongues and this prophecy, and they've taken it, and I believe um, that they have taken the good things that God used to further the gospel. And some people have taken and they have abused it, that. And they have used it for their own, their own agenda. And so I think that this uh, talking about prophecy about speaking in tongues, is something that we as Christians, we need to be very careful as we talk about it. I've known what I believed about speaking in tongues and, and prophecy for a long time. I grew up in this church and, and um, I had a clear understanding of what, the, what I felt was a clear understanding of what the Bible taught. And I knew what I believed and why I believed it. And I'd go off to Bible college and there would be some times that guys would want to sit around and argue about the Bible. Not, not discussion. I, I'm all about discussing and talking and, and having communication and listening to teaching. But, but I'm not into you know getting into an argument and let the Bible speak for itself. And you hear it, and you look at it, and read it, and come to your own conclusion. So there is a verse that our church has kind of adopted um, for our policy on what we call the sign gifts. And the ending, you know, at the beginning of the church age, these things were very, very, very important. But when the scripture was completed, as Paul was finishing his prison epistles, as John was penning on the island of Patmos and finishing and completing scripture and closing the book on what we have in here. And the church became established. Uh, one of the things that we teach is the ending of the sign gifts. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not at work. And that does not mean that the Holy Spirit uh, can't use um, anything at His disposal in a great and mighty way as long as it it aligns with Scripture and the way that Scripture presents it. But we've taken 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 
verses 8 to 10. What we call the love chapter. I, I tend to think that maybe 1 John chapter 4 could be called the love chapter, but I understand why we talk about 1 Corinthians 13. We use it at every wedding, and, and we enjoy this passage of Scripture. But in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 to 10, it says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. As I began to think about this, this topic and how I would approach it, actually, I read a couple of books uh, on, on these stories about Elisha and the end of his ministry. And when he went out and he gave the prophetic word and stuff, and I read one uh, by what I thought was a Baptist minister that would agree with what we teach here at this church, and I really enjoyed what he read. And then I read one from a charismatic uh, preacher and and um, was kind of, I don't know. I, I There were some things that I learned that I applied, and, um, and but there were some things that I disagreed with. And so I could gain knowledge from both. But in the end, I had to go back to Scripture. And so I'd like to, I'd like to put up here, I went to our church. Uh, excuse me, I should have put that up there already. I often forget to push the button when I'm supposed to, but that's okay. But I went to our church, and I went to what our church teaches about these signed gifts. And what our church believes, and what we have written in our doctrinal statement, and what you can find written online, is that we believe that with the completion of the New Testament, the signed gifts ceased and are not for our day. This includes the use of tongues, healing, and prophecy as practiced by the modern charismatic movement. I think that you have to read that statement the way that it is written. Um, it, it does not say that we don't believe that the Holy Spirit can heal someone. We absolutely do. We absolutely do. It does not, it does not say that that we don't believe that the prophetic word can come from the mouth of someone who the Holy Spirit uses to work, work in. It, it does not say that. We, I, we believe that that can happen. God could use the, the, the gift of tongues. But it says there, as the charismatic movement uh, ascribes to, and we have some reasons for that, and we think that because that those things don't align, align with what the Scripture teaches. The Holy Spirit is at work, and He is powerful, and He does, does what He pleases and how He pleases. I just wanted to kind of start off with that um, as we began talking about that. But one of the things that I'd like us to look at is this idea of prophecy. What is prophecy? And what does a prophet does a prophet do? So as we look, the first thing that we need to think about is if you hear someone saying, uh, I feel that I'm a prophet from the Lord. The first thing I want to pop in your mind is that verse that we've got up there. 
from Revelation chapter 22. And so I'd like us all to take our Bibles and we'd like us to open to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, as we look at a warning for anyone who might claim or, or consider themselves to be a prophet. In Revelation chapter 22, and verse 18, says, For I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And so I'd like to encourage you, because you could, I'm sure that you could leave here today, you could go home and you could open up YouTube or Google, and you could look up what is of this prophet saying. And you could find anything that you want to believe under the sun. If you want to believe it spiritually or otherwise, you could find it someplace on the, and you could find some source on the internet to back up your claim that, oh, I don't know, man never landed on the moon, that the earth is flat, that whatever you want to believe, that we live in some alternate reality or something like that. And you could do that the same with your religious beliefs. So I would encourage you, whenever you hear something on the radio in Sunday morning, to look at the Word of God. And to what you hear, examine. You've got to be in this book every single day, or else you can be led astray. And if somebody is saying something that is contrary to this book, there's a problem. And I'd, I'd kind of like us to, to look at uh, and to kind of look at and continue to go down this journey of talking about prophecy. Second Peter chapter one and verse three. I'd like us to open to that to that scripture. Second Peter chapter one and verse three. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, I'd actually like to start there, even though my key verse is verse 3. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace. And peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his grace and mercy. Grace his, his, by his glory and virtue. God has empowered us through His Spirit 
with everything that we need to live. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have accepted Jesus Christ. You have, that, that's the key. That's where it needs to start. If you have obtained the precious faith by believing in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then God has given you the Holy Spirit to help you through life. He's given you everything that you need. Now, do we need to be a part of the church? Absolutely. Do we need to be reading the Bible every single day? Absolutely. Do we need to be uh, in, in prayer every day? Absolutely. Because the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit drives you to want to do those things. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you should be wanting to do those things. And the Holy Spirit will make you want to do those things. And He makes a difference in your life. Um, I'm going to say here that prophecy is the gift to declare a message from God. Prophecy is the gift to declare a message from God. I did not say that prophecy is telling the future in that definition. I said that prophecy is to, a gift to declare a message from God. Prophecy is God's now word. Maybe if somebody if somebody uh, wants to be, if God gives them a word, you might a prophet might be somebody who, scripturally saying, walks up to you, someone who is spending time in prayer in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and they walk up to you and they say, I, I feel that it would be good that God's just laid this on my heart that you probably could be doing this. You know, this is a talent you have. Why aren't you using it from God? That might be a prophetic message from God. Prophecy is God's now word. It's something for the here and now for us. It has meaning for us. So when we look into the future, when we talk about the rapture, that's usually when we think about prophecy, we think about talking about the rapture. And, and that's okay. But that's a word that should have meaning. That's a message from the scriptures that should have meaning for us now, today, when you hear about the rapture, that should motivate you. Because Jesus Christ could appear at any moment. And the first thing it should motivate you to do is make sure that if he were to come for his church, that you're part of the church. You ever, uh, one, there's, a, there's a video flying around where there's a church group body like this. And they're all worshiping on a Sunday morning, singing praise to the Lord. And all of a sudden the rapture happens. And there's like five people left in the church. I don't want to be one of those five people. Right? What if it happened on a Sunday morning? How, and we always say, we always end our, our service by saying, Maranat, Lord, come quickly. Most of the people in this church, we, if the rapture happened today, we're saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. But we're motivated when we hear and we talk about that. We are motivated to go out and win the lost before it's too late, right? That's what we should be motivated to. And then uh, we read a passage of Scripture. I don't know if uh, anybody, if this church especially, has ever read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 as their um, Scripture reading in the morning, but I'd like us to open to Deuteronomy 18. In John chapter 1, 
John the Baptist is coming on the scene and he begins preaching. And the religious leaders come to him and they give him a series of questions. They say, well, are you Elijah? And that's a weird question to us. Like if I walked up to, if I walked up to Dave Sampson, I asked him, I said, Dave Sampson, you go to church, are you Elijah? And if you were around that conversation, you look, you go, why are you asking if he's Elijah? That's kind of a strange question. And if you just, if, I just think about this. We often hand people the book of John. We say, read the book of John. And in the first chapter, there's these religious leaders that are coming up to people, this guy, and saying, are you Elijah? It's like, why are they asking if he's Elijah? He's John the Baptist. He's not Elijah. If you're a religious leader, that's, that's somebody who reads and knows the word of God. That question makes sense. Because at the end of the book of Malachi, it says that in the, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah will return. And so they're asking him, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. And then there's another question, are you the Christ? Well, that makes sense. You know, they're wondering, are you the Messiah who'd come to save the world? And then there's this third question, are you that prophet that's supposed to come into the world? Well, the biblical context of that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. It says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to you all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. And so in, in this passage of scripture, John the Baptist, who I believe clearly was a prophet from God, I believe he was the last of the Old Testament prophets, um, he says, no, I'm not that prophet. Because that prophet was clearly, as we read the scriptures, Jesus Christ was that prophet. But at the same time, we see the qualifications of what a biblical prophet looks like. And he's not somebody that's going around and saying, I think that this might happen. And No, you see exactly what the prophet who would be raised up looks like. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 8 and 9. And in Deuteronomy 18, we read it, there's warnings in here. Don't go listening to people who are going to lead you and point you to, to evil, to mediums, to spirit worshipers, to people who are going to drive you away from the Lord, soothslayers, witchcraft. And, and huh, I don't know. It seems like they're so... They're, even though, like I said earlier, even though people will say, I don't believe in God, more and more, at the same time, they'll buy right into and they'll follow after anyone who says something else. And they'll buy right into supernatural witches. And, and I think that's a real problem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, a prophet is told what to speak. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. It says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That, that's a whole lot more than just speaking the future. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. 
Whenever it is given the voice, the prophet speaks God's heart for the here and now. He talks to people about their disobedience. He warns them of God's judgment. His hostility to sin. And that there's punishment to follow. God still does the same for the Christian community today. He has people who will stand up and speak for what is right. And to declare to people that they need to follow the word of God. God's in Tensions for the prophet are restoration. Look at the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. When God sent out a prophet, the idea was that they would go out and they would say, here's what's going on, here's what's wrong. Come back to the Lord. And I think that that's what, the way we need to look at it. The word prophecy means to speak on behalf of. I think there's something that we need to understand. God is not silent, but He is a speaking God. He has a message for you today. He has a message for me. And He's going to use this book. He's going to lay it on somebody's heart to come and... I hope that if there was someone in this church who was heading down the road wrong road and was doing something that was wrong, that God would lay it onto the hearts of the people that were here to say... To go up to him and say, the Lord's laid it on my heart that you're doing something wrong and you need to make a change. The word prophecy comes from two words put together. The first word, pro, meaning to speak on behalf of. And the other, femi, is to speak on or behalf of another. And so when we look at God's prophecy, it's God, it's a person who speaks on behalf of God. The Bible is very clear that when we hear from a prophet, that we need to test the prophets. We are to, if somebody comes and they, they have a message from God, we need to be very careful and we need to listen and hear and we need to test their words. If somebody says, I have a message from God for you today, uh, the first thing I'd like you to do is take a look at, at what the Bible has to say. If someone says, were to come up to you today and says, I know when the rapture is going to happen. I know when Jesus Christ is going to return for his church. And when the tribulation is going to start, I'd like you to take a look, open your Bible and say, the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. We might, and the Bible does say we can know if the day is coming close. And I believe it's coming close. The Bible says that you could see the clouds in the sky and you know a storm is coming. Can't you look at the world around you and see what's going on? That's okay. That's appropriate. But to know the day or the hour, that's for, for God in heaven to know. And to tell his son when it's time to go get his bride, the church. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets, you who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, 
by your fruits, you will know them. So if you hear someone claiming to speak the word of God, test it to the scriptures. See what the scriptures say. And if they're saying something wrong, and you know them personally, confront them. And I tell you, if they're saying something wrong, and you believe it's wrong, and you have your biblical reason for why it's wrong, it's on the internet, just block it. Just say, I'm done. And as soon as you begin, I had to do that. There was someone I, I enjoyed listening to on the radio and, and would put them on and listen to. But then all of a sudden, I started hearing what they were saying. I said, that's not biblical. Here's why. I had to say, I'm not listening to them anymore. And I think that that can be the case for, for anyone you, you hear or you listen to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He talks to us and, and He has words of wisdom to it for us. And we're not supposed to quench the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 20, Do not despise prophecy. But then in verse 21, it says, test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from, from, from every form of evil. I love that verse. Abstain from every form of evil. If there's evil in your life, if you're hearing evil things, abstain from it. Say, I don't want anything to do with it. The extreme of prophecy that we should avoid is when there is a teacher who claims to be a Bible teacher or someone uh, come or sent from God and they begin to speak and they begin to teach and their teachings begin to supersede the Word of God. If you were to look at, or if you were to study, what we call some of the, the fringe cult religions, like the Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, we're to hear their prophets and some of their teachings, with someone who said, what we are teaching, the news we have heard from this prophet, or what is written in the Watchtower magazine, is more important than what you have written in the Word of God. And sometimes they have taken the Word of God and they have changed it to fit their beliefs. That's a problem. The foundation needs to be God's Word. The Word of God. As you hear people, as you listen to people, you need to test them. You need to hear what they have to say and test it against Scripture to find out if it's valid or not. That's very, very, very important. And I hope that you'll all do that this week with everything you hear. If you got to read the Word and know it in order to not be deceived when someone comes with a slippery tongue. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dearly Father, I thank you and I praise you that you gave us a litmus test to listen to prophets and people who would claim to um, speak your word.
And Lord, when someone comes to us with news from the Bible, that we can open your book and we can see if it's true or not. Thank you that your Holy Spirit gives us everything we need for life. Lord, that your Savior, that, that your Son, Jesus Christ, was our prophet, priest, and king. Lord, I pray that you might help us to be grounded in the Word. So that when someone comes to deceive us, we'll know the truth. We'll be sanctified by it. Lord, help us to listen to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.